0: Culture Map presents. What's Eric eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas. Here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at Houston's bar and restaurant scene. I have Kaiser Lashkari from Himalaya Restaurant coming up in a little bit. But first, I am joined by Felice Sloan. She's one half of the dynamic blogging duo at urbanswank.com. Felice, welcome back to the show. How are you?
1: I'm good. Hey, 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 hey.
0: Sad that we are not also joined by your partner in, in life and blogging, Shannon Jones, this week. But uh, you and I will make do.
1: Yeah, we'll hold it down. We will hold. I will channel her as usual, hold my mouth on things that I should, and be me on others. How about that? Perfect. Great.
0: Uh, I do want to start with the news of the week. Uh, sad note to kick things off. Ella Brennan, the legendary New Orleans restaurateur behind Commander's Palace, passed away last week at the age of 92. The uh, We wouldn't usually be talking about a New Orleans restaurateur, except, of course, that she is part of the family that founded Brennan's of Houston, which is a legendary Houston restaurant. It's been around for 50 years yep. and served as a very important training ground for dozens and dozens of Houston chefs, everyone from uh, Mark Holly, Mark Cox of Mark's American Cuisine, Chris Shepard, Randy Evans.
1: Danny Trace. Danny
0: Trace, Patrick Feejus, Bobby (laughs) Matos of State of Grace.
1: You, You know what? I call it the University of Brennan's because that's pretty much, you know, like if you look at Houston culinary scene, All the greats, I'm not saying all, but a lot of the greats have gone through that university.
0: Yeah, it is it that that's a really accurate description. It is you get a a master's in restaurant operations and being a professional by spending a couple of years at Brennan's.
1: I agree. Yes.
0: And even now, right, Martin Weaver, who had been at Coup and had been a sous chef at Brennan's is, and this is a podcast exclusive, very quietly has left Brennan's to work on a new restaurant.
1: Okay. Okay. I like so, exclusives.
0: So just to say that that legacy lives on. And so I asked a whole bunch of the people who had worked at Brennan's for uh, memories of Ella Brennan. Uh, I think my favorite was Carl Walker's. He's their general manager. He used to be there executive chef he worked at commander's palace so he had a lot of contact with miss ella as she was known he said that he once made a uh, peach ice cream oh and he yes, was I, feeling I like that one mm-hmm. he was feeling pretty sporty about his peach ice cream and he assembled it in this like cookie cup and he thought it looked great and he was really proud of it and he he gave it to miss ella and she dipped a spoon in and she said doesn't take enough. Doesn't taste enough like peaches, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, so she had no problem being very brutally honest with her her chefs, and she had legends that worked for her. Paul Prudhomme worked for her. at Commander's Palace. Emeril Lagasse very yep. famously worked at Commander's Palace. So she had no problem just being like straight up. not you know if you're going to serve Miss Ella peach ice cream? It better freaking taste like peaches.
1: I I agree. You know, one of the things that I loved reading your piece um, was reading all these cool, intimate stories that they had. You know, everyone had with her from, um, you know, from that. I love that was one of my favorites. Um, Mark Holly talking about, you know, the, the whole cookbooks and now he has over 500. And, you know, if you can just take one little thing, she told him, if you can take one little thing from a cookbook, it's worth buying. And one of the things that um, was key <coughs> to me as you read all those stories, right? Like she was just, she was a pioneer. You, you can't, you can't say she's not like she is restaurant gold if restaurants did and instilled the things that she kind of instilled in these legends that we see today and um, the up and coming and the ones that have made their mark, if we can get that in what's happening today, you know, what? how great would people's restaurants be? And as a diner, the dining experiences, those little key things. And I think some of that is what's missing, that old school Tell her like it is where she's saying, you know, I can't, I need to take the pe- taste the peaches or just these little small, like I like to call them little um, nuggets of wisdom and part in each one of these people. I think it was awesome.
0: Yeah. So, I, I mean, if there is a Mount Rushmore of contemporary American gastronomy for people who paved the way for where we are now, uh, James Beard, Alice Waters, Ella Brennan. And then I don't know, pick a pick a fourth chef type, maybe someone like Thomas Keller, but but she's certainly in that conversation yes. uh in terms of giving respect to American ingredients, in terms of being local, and also in terms of you gotta serve what people wanna eat. You know, yes. you've you've gotta create dishes that people will come back for again and again. And I mean certainly like it's it's almost impossible to go to Brennan's and not start with turtle soup and finish with Bananas Foster.
1: I agree. Or and, or, or if you're like, well, I'm not feeling, you're going to get one, right? You're, you're going you're to get at other, least one or the both. other, right? <laughs> uh,
0: and And that and the, the customer first attitude that you experience every time you walk into Brennan's is just such an indelible part of her legacy. Uh, just a, a towering figure in the world of American food and someone who will be, very dearly
1: missed, I agree, I agree,
0: all right, and then moving on, speaking of Brennan's alumni, Chris Shepard announced the lineup for this year's edition of Southern Smoke. I will say, uh,
1: this year's lineup is not that southern it's not it's it's southern, I, I mean it's, it's exciting, look, right, it's it chefs by way of the South. How about that?
0: yeah <laughs> um. I think uh, no bigger name, well, Aaron Franklin is always the, the, the big right. draw. He will always have the biggest line uh, because even waiting an hour in line at Southern Smoke for Franklin Barbecue Brisket is a much shorter line than you will ever get if you go to Austin and wait in Exactly. Line
1: for, People are like, oh, that's only an hour? Oh, I'm, I'm here. They're, they're all over it. They're over it.
0: But there are there are two that are coming that I am very, very excited about. Uh, and the big one is Eduardo Jordan.
1: Eduardo Jordan, baby, I am. Woo, I am so excited.
0: Uh, maybe the highest profile African American chef in America right
1: now. Maybe for I would June, agree. baby,
0: June, baby, in Seattle, just won the James Beard Award for best new restaurant. His other restaurant, he took uh, best chef Northwest for right.
1: that. Right, and let's just give him a mo- give a moment, like. Right, June Baby won. He's the first African-American to win in that category, which is sad because we're in 2018, but that's a whole nother show if you want to have that one. But let's just rejoice in this moment that he took that. He took it. He earned it. I'm super excited.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I don't even really care what he's going to be cooking. I'm just excited that he's coming. (laughs) That he's here. Uh, And then the other one that I am personally very excited about is uh, Chris Bianco of uh, Pizzeria Bianco in Phoenix, arguably the most famous pizzeria in America.
1: You have talked about him for years. I know you. You are like su- you're super stoked. Yeah. Like- <laughs> so
0: I, so I went to Phoenix, Scottsdale, in goodness. I want to say like 2011 or 12 with my family. Uh, maybe 2011. Uh, and we got off the plane, and I said, We're having lunch here right there was no i there wasn't this this is even before I was writing professionally right right there was no argument about we were going to like however long it took to wait or whatever we were going to lunch at pizzeria Bianco uh and of course, it was fantastic but i I don't even know that I was properly able to appreciate it. Because I was still relatively new to Neapolitan pizza then. I feel like I've had so much more pizza now. Like, I would like to go back. and So, while so you can appreciate else, the
1: genius of what what it is, right? You're like, okay, it's good. But now that you've kind of experienced different levels of it, now you're like, I need it, right? So you right. can really appreciate it.
0: So while everybody else has camped out in line for Franklin Brisket, which, <laughs> no disrespect, is very delicious. Uh, I'm just going to be camped out in front of whatever pizza oven they set up right. for, for Chris. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's that's going to be my role. And, of course, there are uh, two different whole hog specialists coming this year uh, to replace Rodney Scott, who will be too busy opening a restaurant in Birmingham to attend. Right. Uh, the full roster of Houston chefs who participate, not just Chris Shepard, but Ryan Perrin, Hugo Ortega, and Justin Yu. Uh, Seth Siegel Gardner and Terrence Gallivan from the Passing Provisions, Patrick Feejus, Lyle Bento, Brandy Key. Uh, it's basically like a who's who of people who've been right. on this podcast.
1: It's going to be great. It's, it's going to be great. Uh, and I think what's great about it, every year, he, you know, he changes it up and gives you a reason to go. It's, you know, it's a charity event, which is amazing. But then it's like a major food event, right? Like if you like food. Yeah, it's one of the events that you want to go to. Yeah, you want to it's,
0: it's a little bit like when a really big concert comes into town and your whole social media feed gets taken over by all the people you know going to <laughs> right, the concert. Right, So if you're into food and you don't go to Southern Smoke, it's just going to blow up your your Instagram and Facebook feeds for that day. So you really might as well be there. Uh, tickets are 200 bucks. They go on sale in July. Uh, SouthernSmoke.org. And, and like you said, it does have a charitable purpose. Uh, they're trying to raise $300,000 uh, for the fight against MS in honor of Antonio Gianola, who is now at Houston Wine Merchant and who was Chris's sommelier at Catalan back in the day, and also to create a, an emergency fund for members of the Houston hospitality industry who, for whatever reason, will need money in emergencies. So uh, a very worthy cause there uh, and something I am personally very excited about. All right. Uh, Third item. I I don't know that there's a whole lot to say about this other than that, uh, just to note uh, Richard Knight, uh, the former chef of Feast, the former chef of Hunky Dory signed on with Heralds in the Heights in February. Uh, It is the first week of June and he is no longer the chef there. Uh, I, I will say I have seen Richard at events in between and I, said, you know, I want to come see you. I want to come see what you're doing. And it was always, you know, I'm still trying to get my hands around things. Give me a, you know, give me a couple weeks. Give me whatever. Um, I never got like that green light that he was really excited about what he was doing there and was ready for a visit. Uh, But he has decided to leave and focus on Show Us Your Goods, the video series that he's developing with his wife, Carrie Jean Knight. Uh, it bums me out a little bit because I really like Richard's cooking and I really like Richard's, restu- you know, Richard's past restaurants. I had high hopes for his collaboration with Ali Jarrett at Harold's, but I guess it wasn't meant to be.
1: I was excited and <clears throat> I guess concerned as well. Well, just because I, I think he's a great chef, but I wanted to see what I knew you were go there before me. it seemed like a little bit of an odd fit, right? Right, An English
0: chef who's known for whole animal cooking taking over a southern restaurant that's not known for, you know, that that has respect for local ingredients, but other than that, didn't seem to be an obvious Right,
1: so I was waiting for you to go to tell me, hey, it's, and when that never happened, I wasn't trying to get there. And then no one could tell me, not that people said it was bad. No one could tell me like what was great about it or what did you have? What was unique? No one could say that. So I was, I'm not surprised by this announcement.
0: Yeah, no, I, and I never heard that either. Right. Right. I was kind of waiting for someone to tell me, man, I went to, I went to Harold's and Richard's on and he's doing X, Y, and Z. I mean, I saw he put the hunky dory fish and chips on. Right. Which is the second best fish and chips. Good, good dog. Secret. Secret. Like secret menu hack, Good Dog has the best fish and chips. Neither here nor there. But it, it just never really I it just never really felt like Richard's restaurant to me. Right. So Richard will do show us your goods, and Harold's will continue on as his Harold's doing its Southern thing. And that's kind of that. And then finally, I published a list of 10 new happy hours to try. Uh, lots of good stuff on there, Felice. What was
1: uh, what are you
0: excited about? You like a good happy
1: hour. I do, and I must say this was my favorite one that you've published because all of them, everyone that you listed on there, I'm like, yes, yes, yeah. I mean, literally. So good job on Thank that. You. Um, and I'm really excited about Willie G's. I've gone to that one. I think it's an amazing happy hour. It's amazing. The oysters, um, I end up getting a margarita. I sat outside on the patio, which is a must. So I'm excited about that for Houston. And you know, we talk about Willie G's. We've talked about a couple of times in the past. And if you haven't gotten to gone to the new Willie G's, you that happy hour is a perfect opportunity to get there.
0: Yeah, a very good introduction to that restaurant. It is a totally new. I mean, they still do the fried seafood and stuff, but they do so much more now than they ever did before. And, you know, in in a time when it feels like there's not that many seafood restaurants in Houston, uh, I've had two very good dinners at Willie G's and and I want to go back there for more. Uh, I think the one that I am the most excited about is Postino uh, because of those $5 glasses of wine, which means $20 bottles of wine. And also $5, 32 ounce mini pitchers mm-hmm. of beer. And they have good stuff on tap. I mean, they I, do. They have, I remember you. you they have St. Uh, Arnold Art Car. They have, uh, they have Yellow Rose. So lots of good choices there. And uh, shoot, I felt like there was one other one. And now.
1: That you were super excited that about? I was super excited about. And now I don't have
0: it in front of me and now I don't remember. Anyway.
1: Well, it's a great lit. Well, so here's the thing. You don't have to figure it out right now. Go check out the lit. Go check out the post. All of the, you can't go wrong with anything that you've listed. You got Weezy's Table on there. Um, You have um, Goodnight Charlie's. I mean, there's so many good ones on there that stood out to me. So, you know, there you go.
0: All right. That does it for our News of the Week. We'll be right back with our Restaurants of the Week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating. All right, Felice, for our restaurants of the week, we do have two to discuss. And as promised the last time you were on the show, we have been to culture.
1: We have been.
0: Marcus Davis's restaurant downtown at the Avenida Americas, right there near the convention center and the Marriott Marquis. Don Burrell, who worked at Uchi, is the chef there. Um, we were we we've, we've been talking about trying this restaurant for a long time. Yes, yes. And it, and it things finally just keep
1: coming up, and they have events, and it just wasn't.
0: That's that's right. We tried to go one night. They had a buyout. <laughs> right. It just you know. wasn't
1: happening. So maybe it was a good thing it wasn't happening. I don't know. But we finally made it.
0: We finally made it. We went to Culture on a busy Friday night. They had live jazz playing. Uh, the Astros were, were playing at Minute Maid Park, yeah. so, was so downtown lot. was hopping. There was a lot going on.
1: It was super loud. We could barely, <laughs> we couldn't hear each other. Not over know. the jazz.
0: No, I mean, the jazz band was great. It was but great. They were, yeah. they were a little bit hard to hear over. Uh, just from a visual standpoint, first impressions, what did you think of culture when you walked in the door?
1: Visually, it is very swanky and sexy without... You know, a lot of times when you have that level of sexiness and swankiness, the, um, it's kind of dark in there. I thought the lighting was great where you could see your food. Um, it just was very aesthetically pleasing to the eye. I love, what, I love the vibe.
0: Yeah, and those big open windows that look out on the, the street mm-hmm. all around you, the kind of hustle and bustle of the urban scene, that nice long bar. Uh, yeah, no, aesthetically, I think they really nailed it. It's got that little
1: mezzanine. Right. It looks so, bigger than it is. Like once you're in there, like from the street, it looks huge, right? With the windows, but then it's big. But once you get in there, it's very, it's not small, but it's intimate.
0: Yeah, it yeah. is intimate. And the, the tables are close together. And like we said, they had that live jazz going. So the, the whole dining room was full. Uh, We were lucky to get a table on
1: exactly right
0: and they don't take reservations at least not when they have the jazz band
1: playing. Right. I don't think they take reservations period because I looked I mean I was looking on once we were saying we were going to go they're definitely not on open table yeah. I looked online you can't make reservations well they don't have a website
0: I mean the, the there are things about the restaurant that are a little bit strange uh, starting with the fact that it doesn't have a website it's got a Facebook page and it's got an Instagram account uh, but it's, it's like there's no menu posted right you know All the little things that in 2018 you would think are required to open a restaurant and and probably should be like, right? uh, you know, culture doesn't doesn't play all those games. That usually makes me nervous about dining at a place. It's like, well, if you can't get those details right, then how good is the food going to be? But I'd say we had a pretty good dining experience.
1: So I'm going to piggyback on something that you said. Um, I think you're correct. So. In Houston, we know culture. We know all of that. We know Marcus. So I think that works. But trying to appeal to the next level, you're this is not Breakfast Club anymore, right? You're trying, you're competing with the big boys. Some of that needs to be. I mean, that you, it's. I think it's going to be needed for growth and to take it to the next level, because that's in between. You know, you're competing with. Not necessarily fine dining, but well, that's no, higher-end dining. Yeah, so no. you need some of that.
0: I, I think that's that's well stated. You know, this is a restaurant that's downtown in the mix. Uh, you know, Sochi is across the street. Grotto's right next door. Exactly. Papado's right next door. You know, this is a restaurant that, in theory, is competing for tourist dollars for people who are staying at the Marquee or staying at the Hilton Americas. You know, if they're looking for a dinner option— they probably want to see a menu before they commit to... Exactly. They, I would. they might even want to be able to make a reservation.
1: I know. would. Or I'm going to be like, oh, okay, forget that. And then I'm going on to the next one. So I think that's something that they may want to look at. But, you know, they didn't ask us. But I agree with what what you said on that.
0: All right. But let's talk about the food because, yes, like I said, we had a pretty good dinner.
1: Yes, it was pretty good. Um, we started out with a couple of apps. Let, let me see. What... My favorite app was definitely the Johnny Cakes.
0: Yes, the and Johnny the, H- Cakes and the that black pee hummus, hummus was very
1: good. Was very good. So I think um and with those things, I could definitely um the way Dawn cooks, she's kind of she does a lot of local ingredients. She's definitely on the cleaner side with big flavors. So I definitely could see her influence all throughout that menu.
0: Yeah. And she did that really interesting collard green preparation with the little they called it purses. It was a, a collard green, and then it was like wrapped around, chopped more chopped braised. Right, they braised. were
1: braised, and then the one, um, yeah, was wrapped like a steam collard almost like green a dumpling. Yeah. right. Was wrapping the braised, and I thought that was interesting. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty interesting because it was easy to eat with something else. Um, I wanted my meat. I wanted the, the meat was on the outside. I kind of wanted the meat to be inside it. Oh, yeah, that would have
0: taken it to the next level. It
1: would, I think that would have taken it to the next level because I remember when you went to get chores, and I'm like, oh, don't forget to get the meat because the meat was, um, and I, again, chef wasn't there, so I don't know if the meat was supposed to be in there. She had just left. But that would have taken it to the next level, and I wouldn't have wanted to share those. <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> um. <laughs> I did want to share my entree, which was the uh, the pork and beans, this massive pork shank, uh, only because the portion was so good, it was so big. It was huge. Yeah. And the quality of the meat was good, it was juicy. Um, I thought the the beans and the broth were very good. Um, it did have that it did have that like, I don't know if it was supposed to be crispy pork skin or something that was um, just a little bit hard to cut like as a technical, you know mechanics of eating thing. But the flavor of the meat was really excellent.
1: Yeah, I think that it was supposed to have that crispy. I think that they just let, because it was pretty much impossible to cut almost. Like you were struggling to cut it. But once you got in in there, even with the steak knife. So I don't think it was supposed to be that crispy. But, you know, once you got in there and cut it and you had the crunch, it was very good. Right. But I just think like it probably got a little too crispy. I had the um, oxtail um, Ragu. ragu. Yeah, and it was really. I thought it was very tasty. Um, I would. I wanted some more oxtail, not because I don't think. You know, after I saw yours, <laughs> mine felt in comparison. Meaning, I'm like, I think I need some more oxtail. But first, right? The- <laughs> I have
0: this massive pork shank. You have this little bowl I of oxtail. I was
1: jealous. I'm like, oh, I need some more oxtail. But no, it was. It was very tasty. Um, it was kind of. The, the flavor was bursting. I thought the way they prepared it was very, you know, I thought it was good. Um, and when if you look at the menu price price wise, it was right where it needed to be. Um, yeah, we had a great meal with a lot of th- the only thing we didn't have was dessert.
0: Yeah, and and that's not the fault of the restaurant. That was the the fact that it was the the eighth a- inning eighth of inning. the <laughs> Astros Red Sox game. And we wanted to hit the road before exactly. the ballgame got out. Now, right. the Astros actually did us a solid. They scored three runs in the eighth to stretch out the time of the game a little right, bit. Right, So props to the Astros <laughs> and props to our server who, when we we said, we want to get out of here, like was Johnny on the spot, <laughs> running the credit cards and bringing us the checks. So, right,
1: and we got out just in time, too, just yeah. in time. So, yeah. So I um I was very – I was pleased. I was pleased with it. Um, You know, there's, like, some little things – that, you know, you're always going to see, but those are personal preference things. I definitely am excited about it and proud of culture. Like, they did the culture a solid. With yeah,
0: no. The biggest, <laughs> I, the biggest miss, I think, was the cocktails. Uh, My old-fashioned was super sweet with that brown sugar thing. Yes. And I don't remember what your cocktail was, but I thought it, it, it tended sweet to.
1: Yes. Oh, the cocktails seemed to be—I well, remember he was giving us two of the cocktails that were off the menu— and we just knew that was straight sugar when he was naming them. Yeah. And then I tasted. So yeah, it was. If you like sweet cocktails, that's great. But they were way too sweet for us. Yeah.
0: Uh, but other than that, I I would I would happily go back to Culture again. I, I agree. Okay. And then our second restaurant that I want to talk about is East Hampton Sandwich Company. This is uh, the new Dallas-based sandwich purveyor that just opened up in River Oaks District. We got snuck in for VIP night. Yep. Always nice to beat the crowd uh and eat on the restaurant's dime. We tried a bunch of different sandwiches. Uh
1: did you have a favorite? So I had two favorites, of course. And we talked about this a while um when we did the po- they did a pop-up here and I kind of talked crap about the lobster roll cuz the bread was hard and but we said it's probably because it's a pop-up, a little piece of bread. So I'm happy to report that the lobster roll is off the chain. It was so good to the point where um Nathan, which is one of the co-hosts, you guys know Nathan. Nathan had the lobster, um, the lobster grilled cheese, I think. And he was feeling, you know, he was feeling pretty good about his lobster grilled cheese, that it was the best lobster you know, sandwich on the menu. He tasted mine and almost lost his mind. Like, he was very jealous and that food in me. So I love the lobster roll. And um, there was a mistake, and we got an extra sandwich. The balsamic um, tenderloin sandwich was easily, I think, all of our favorites because we didn't – we were kind of like, oh, yeah, go ahead and put it on the table. We'll try it. And just that balsamic with the blue cheese – I don't know why it was so good, but it, it just worked.
0: Well and and in fact I actually went back a couple days later mm-hmm. and had one of the other steak sandwiches on the menu. Okay. Uh with the avocado and the goat cheese. Ooh. Uh and that was and a like a red pepper vinaigrette that was also extremely delicious. So
1: So they got beef down
0: then. Yeah, no. They've got <laughs> yeah, steak sandwiches, they've got that down. Uh I agree with you. The lobster roll is a very good lobster roll. It's not it's not quite the same as what I get uh, when I go up to New England because they, they hit it with a Little Old Bay. But I think in Texas, people want a little more seasoning. They want a little of that spice. So I think that all kind of makes sense. Uh, and then there was that one other that was really...
1: Which one? Did you have it or did I have it? The oh, there was the,
0: the, the turkey, right? You got oh, so a turkey I had avocado. A,
1: yeah, so I had um, turkey bacon. So for people that don't want beef or anything like that, it was a turkey bacon with avocado. Um, We had turkey bacon, turkey, and then, um, you know, the smashed avocado. It was very tasty. Very, very tasty. I had to take some. They give you so much turkey meat. I had to take some off because I'm very much of a um, (laughs) ratio of meat to bread to everything. So I took some of the turkey off and ate it on the side, but the sandwich was good. And I want to add also... That, um, you know, speaking of the bread, the another great thing about their sandwiches, you can get it as a sandwich, as a wrap, or as a salad. Because um, someone next to us had the lobster roll.
0: You don't want to name drop who it was?
1: Who What was? Oh, Maya Shea. Maya Shea. Maya Shea. shea had, of our <laughs> Culture
0: Map content partner at ABC 13.
1: Yeah, Maya Shea had the um, lobster roll salad. And it was the lobster roll. It had Avocado some cherry tomatoes. It looked, it looked tasty, right? Where you're like, okay, you wouldn't feel cheated getting a salad.
0: Right. Uh, and I will say, uh, it has been an absolute phenomenon since it opened on Friday. I know my mother went there, uh, which I, I know that a restaurant is breaking through when, (laughs) when it reaches, reaches my mother. And then, so they were out of lobster when she went there. They're still getting the the frenzy. (laughs) She had the crab cake and reported that was very good. Um, I went back, when I went back on Sunday, I tried the donuts. Uh, those are very good. I like the different lemonades that come with it. Uh, I am. Uh, so the only thing that I have tried that I just flat out did not like was we tried the patty belt and it's a, it's a seasonal special that they're running right now. Uh, it was two thin patties. It had some cheese on it, but it just didn't, it didn't have the right amount of onions. It just didn't, it had pickle on it for some reason. It just wasn't.
1: So it was supposed it just, to be a patty melt. It was just like a patty. Yeah. Like a bad It was like a, bad day a halfway. Patty. It was like a hamburger. It was more
0: like a hamburger on bread <laughs> than it was like an actual patty melt. Like, I, I know that's kind of a fine line, but patty melt purists, steer clear of the patty melt. Get that at like Cub Grill or Better Luck Tomorrow. Right. Uh, but other than that, uh, I've been really impressed by everything I've tried at East Hampton. I think it's a nice addition to Houston, and I look forward to the fact that they're opening a second location in Montrose, close to my apartment.
1: Yeah, I'm excited because it's not where people are like, oh, it's a sandwich. No, no, no. Get that out of your head. There are no sandwich. We don't have great sandwich shops here. I mean, sorry. We have a couple of sandwich shops. But we don't have, like, a lot of great sandwich shops that are different. There's no one really doing sandwiches like they're doing them. So if you like sandwiches or not, salads or wraps, Definitely give them a try because it's you'll be very impressed. It's good.
0: All right. Well, Felice, as always, when you're on the show, uh, we run long.
1: I know. We have so much fun.
0: We do. Uh, What's new at UrbanSwank.com?
1: You know, everything's new. Check us out. We got a lot of, um, we're going to give you some good food stuff that we've been eating lately. Um, We've missed our United Airlines thing. So, well, you can go to the site. We are featured. We did three perfect days in Houston. It's featured on the Hemisphere website right now. Yes. It's, yes, you were on
0: you were on plane screens all over the globe. Right, yeah, that was for, for like the month. thirty day. Right, yeah.
1: so that's but you can catch us at Hemisphere. So that's it. We're just you know moving and grooving, shaking and making.
0: All right. Well, thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me today, and uh, we'll have you back soon. Okay. And I will be right back with Kaiser Lashkari.
1: You're listening to What's Eric Eating.
0: Our interview this week is brought to you by 8th Wonder Brewery, one of my favorite local breweries, conveniently located in East Downtown. It's been really fun to watch 8th Wonder evolve from its sort of humble beginnings in a little corner of a warehouse to now a gigantic warehouse, the huge backyard that they call Wonder World, where you can go before sports games, especially with uh, soccer season and baseball season heating up. 8th Wonder's brewery is conveniently located uh, within walking distance. You might see my colleague Fred Fowler walking around there. I know it's a favorite spot of his. And there's always something new to try at 8th Wonder. Like they just released their Procrastinator Session IPA, the official beer of doing nothing. They're going to have their hip hop series rolling out here in the next little bit. And, you know, you can always count on 8th Wonder beer to be refreshing, delicious, and fresh because it's made right here locally all the time. So, thank you to Eighth Wonder, and here's our interview of the week. Very excited about this week's guest. Thrilled to have Kaiser Lashkari, the chef owner of Himalaya Restaurant, joining me this week. Kaiser, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here on your day off.
2: How are you? you? Thank you for inviting me, and uh, I think uh, I'm returning to these studios about eight or nine years later. Yes,
0: it's, this is a, a Houston Food Radio deep cut that this is the studio where Southbound Food had been taped by Brian Caswell and, and Lance Sterline. I don't, I don't acknowledge the studio's history in Houston Food Radio often enough, so yes, thank you for reminding me. Okay. Uh, I have so many questions for you, but I always like to start at the beginning How did you become interested in being a chef and cooking professionally?
2: Have you seen my waistline? (laughs) Yeah, I have the same waistline and I don't cook. The waistline tells you that I am fond of eating. And if a person is fond of eating and then he wants to be very finicky about the food he, he eats, then he starts cooking himself. And that's what happened um when i came to houston in 1980 there was hardly any indian pakistani restaurants here there was a place there was an italian restaurant on montrose called dia and there was a it was owned by a pakistani gentleman in the late late 70s early 80s by he it was owned by mr lily khan and he had a Perfectly pure Italian restaurant, but he would make some Pakistani dishes on the weekend, especially karai chicken and karai gosht, And that was the only place you would find some Indian Pakistani food. And then in 1981, on bisanet there was a restaurant that opened called Kohenur. In 1982, there was a restaurant that opened. In 1985, There was a restaurant that opened called Sheik Chilli in 1987. There was a restaurant that opened called Savoy. But uh, they all had good dishes, but I wanted to create my own flavor and I wanted to create my own taste. And um, the rest is history because uh, after graduating from the Hilton College in 1986, I worked for Marriott for a couple of years. And then I worked for the Ritz Carlton, and then I worked for the Westin Galleria. And after that, I decided to start my own place. And that was a little hole in the wall called Kaiser's Restaurant on 11909 Beechnut. It was in the Leaf area. It was less than 800 square foot and less than $500 in rent. And I used to do catering for birthday parties, weddings, and takeout food. So people loved the food. People wanted to enjoy the food. They said, why don't you open a restaurant? When my lease got over, over there, then I, in 2004, we moved to 6652 uh, South Freeway, which is the home of Himalaya, the, the present home of Himalaya since 2004, February. Very good, and then so
0: you. So I think it's safe to say that Himalaya is not your typical Indian-Pakistani restaurant. That you serve dishes, uh, for example, I've never seen hunter's beef uh, on another menu. I've never seen uh, the fish masala on another menu. How did how did you develop the idea for these dishes that? because let me just say you do the regular chicken tikka masala and, and samosas and, and all that stuff but you you do some things a little bit differently
2: too. yes when you see when you the first thing you said was it's not your typical so let me backtrack and tell you what my princess my wife azra tells me that i'm not a you know uh i'm not a normal human being you know because she thinks i'm i'm a little crazy and uh When I'm a little crazy, I try to uh, do things which nobody wants to do or nobody has thought of doing or nobody uh, thinks it would be okay to do. And so, thanks to you, big part, a very, very big thank you to you when you put the seed of chicken fried, fried chicken in my mind. That was many, many years ago. Uh, not many years ago, actually, it was about two and a half to three years ago. Oh no, we're we're coming to all that.
0: Okay. we're we're coming to the southern stuff. But okay. I, I wanted to start with the Pakistani
2: with the Pakistani and Indian that food you yes. can't find anywhere else. Yes, but you see, the thing is that uh, let's let's say for example, tandoori chicken. Okay, tandoori chicken is only served one way in all all Houston Indian restaurants. But if you see if you try tandoori chicken at Himalaya, it's a completely different uh, flavor profile and it's completely different to look at. It's not that typical red color chicken that you find in, in most places. The reason I want to do this is because wherever you are, wherever you are locally, we are the, by the way, we are the only re- Indian Pakistani restaurant that serves beef for that matter. The only place and the only place which does not have a buffet since its inception. Uh, we don't. I don't believe in having buffets, and I don't want to keep buffets. And I want to give Houston different things that we can uh, uh, enjoy. Uh, I take the local stuff, like the uh, like I've done the the uh, paratha dia, which is my spin on the quesadilla. I go to many many Mexican restaurants sometimes on my day off and try different things. But um, you, I among other things, I always want to try their quesadilla because it's I love it and so I put my I mean, own it's, spin- a, it's a
0: grill it's basically a grilled cheese I mean what's not to like
2: <laughs> okay and uh and yeah the and the stuffing is with chicken or beef and and we did this uh we we use the the paratha instead of the tortilla and we call it paratha dia and uh that's one thing and we try to use whatever the local local uh, delicacies are, we try to incorporate that into our cuisine also. Because Indian food and Pakistani food has so, such a rich uh, selection of spices that we can, we can present all the local uh, dishes in Indian spices with Indian variations. That would give more uh, pizzazz to the, to the menu that's available to people.
0: Right. And over the last, as you said, maybe two and a half, three years, you've started rolling out what I would sort of describe as Southern Comfort Foods. Yes. Fried chicken, chicken fried steak, crawfish etouffee. Smoked brisket. Yeah. Chicken and dumplings. And the list That's is right. endless. Uh, how's the response been to that? And, and has that been fun for you to sort of play around with these dishes that I'd say people are very, very familiar with? Yes.
2: Yes, and, and uh, at times the wife gets very angry because there is so much uh, uh, um, so many orders of fried chicken that we can just sometimes we can't handle during a very busy busy time because Indian food is very labor intensive, Pakistani food is very labor intensive. And in among all of that, when the restaurant is completely at capacity, Somebody says, "I want two fried chickens, and that takes a very long time. The reason the chicken is so good, the reason is is because number one and before let me backtrack thank you eric for for starting this literally i uh, you for for starting the fried chicken and alvin Schulz for uh, for for pushing me to try uh, the chicken fried steak. These are the two things that brought about the 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 tsunami of of different uh, different items in my mind uh, my favorite being chicken and dumplings i used to have at cracker barrel but i thought it was bland so i gave it a lot of masala to it and now everybody loves the chicken the police commissioner of harris county mr jack K- kegel came in and said this is the best dish he has ever eaten wow so that's a huge huge compliment and um, I was I was absolutely f- floored and honored by his by his praise you know because and of course the 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 seed was planted by your, by you Eric thank you very much
0: well and you have been something of a media sensation uh certainly over the past 5 or 6 years you've been ranked highly by Allison Cook you were included in uh Eater's list of the 38 best restaurants in Texas uh how do you feel about all the media attention you've gotten? I mean, do you, has it benefited the
2: business, do you think? Do you, you know? It has, it has. Uh, but, but in my, in my in, at hotel school, at the Hilton College, the one big thing that was taught to us in, in the food and beverage controls class was you are only as good as your last P&L. You're, you are only in, in, a, in a hotel if you're the general manager of a hotel, or if you're the food and beverage director of a department in a in a hotel, you're only as good as the as your last profit and loss statement. If you create something and the people like it, that's fine. They will talk about it, and if if um, if that's if if the press acknowledges it, I'm very thankful for them. Um, but I have never let that go to my head, Eric, because I have still driven. To this studio in my 2001 Camry, so that so that is that that should tell you that I, what however much media attention I can get, but I I cannot let that temporary euphoria go to my head, because the the minute I do that, that will be my downfall, and because there was I'll give you an example, somebody criticized my biryani one time, and. And of course, as, as an eccentric chef and an eccentric human being, I was all bent out of shape and I said, how dare you? I said, I have the best biryani in town. And the next day, the biryani really didn't come out right. So that was God's way of telling me, keep your feet on the floor, keep your feet to the ground, be humble. And since then, I have never, ever said my food is this and my food is that. Whatever the media is giving me credit for, more than 50 more than 50 percent I would say 70 80 percent goes to the to my wife who who handles the expedition of the food who uh, who handles the uh, presentation who handles the, how it's executed because I can create a dish I can create the the recipe after that she checks every single order that goes out and I'm extremely eternally thankful to Azra.
0: Yes, well, I'll, I'll say that you have the best biryani in town, certainly the best biryani I've, I've eaten in Houston. Uh, you do have a somewhat contentious relationship with Yelp, though.
2: Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you... <laughs> but I think the less said, the better, because the walls... Let the, as my wife says, whenever I read something and I get a little depressed... Then, I, then my wife says, look at your walls. Let your walls do the talking. There is hardly any paint left that you can see on the walls. The walls are covered with accolades from, from all over, over uh, all national media, local, national, anywhere you look at it. I know. It's why I
0: take dates to your restaurant, so I can point to mine on the walls and feel like I'm more important than I am. You are very important. You're very kind. Um, you... Your, your probably your biggest moment in the spotlight was being included on an episode of uh, Anthony Bourdain's CNN show. Yes, uh, yes. Parts unknown. Parts unknown. What was that experience like? I don't because I, I don't think I've ever heard you talk about it.
2: I am still in shock that I that we were picked out of the hundreds and thousands of restaurants available for. Yeah, yeah for
0: I mean filming. he he featured okay. two Houston restaurants and Burns Barbecue and Himalaya. Yeah.
2: Which and I, I will tell you the secret today since you asked me and yes, I have never talked about it I in fact, I asked the gentleman who was the first point of contact with the with the show. I said, "Why did you pick us?" And he said that this, he picked this re- restaurant in particular because this restaurant had the best reviews and had the worst reviews it was it was like... There is a group that has completely hates the 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 ground that he walks on, and there is a group that that almost close to worships him. They love him or they hate him. So what is what? Is, so that's what kind of uh, piqued his curiosity about uh, Himalaya and that's what made him come and try it. And then I think I'm sure they send, you know, they don't tell us, but they do send mystery shoppers there. They do send mystery guests who come and try the food before they they. Uh, before they finalize any show, I'm sure they do that because that's what I I know that that's what happened. They sent some mystery shoppers. They they ate over here like two three times in a week. They tried different dishes at different times from lunch dinner, and and after that they decide whether to pick a restaurant or not. It's just not on somebody's whim or somebody's you know. Uh, Im- they don't just do that impromptu,
0: right? So, what was your business like? after you were featured on the tv show
2: i'll be very honest the uh, uh our sundays sunday was like a uh, like it was like a, the friday and saturday were our busiest days and sunday was used to be our uh you know very normal like a weekday because sunday was not that exciting as far as business was concerned but soon after the anthony bordin show Sunday has never remained the same. Sunday is as busy as a Friday or a Saturday in this restaurant. With the thank, thank God for that. You know, um, we are we are really, really grateful for that.
0: So I, one of the other things is that Houston has become recognized more and more for its diversity and and for its immigrant cooking and and certainly uh, certainly the Bourdain show focused on the immigrant experience and and we saw a number of. Chefs be nominated for James Beard Awards based on, on some of their work. I mean, do you do you aspire to that? Is that something that you're optimistic about? Do you do you have any sense of,
2: yeah, whether I you'd will, like that? I will, I will, t- I will give you an example of my childhood, because where we lived, my both my parents used to work, and and across from my, and I used to, after school, I used to come to either I was a. Having no brothers and sisters, I was a latchkey kid. But till my grandma was alive, I used to come after school. I used to come to my grandma's house, and right across from the street where my grandma lived was a lady who had gone to England and learnt at the Cadbury School of of chocolate making how to make chocolates. So she, uh, the old lady who used to bake chocolates, would say. Uh, son, are you hungry? Would you like some chocolate? I said, who needs to be hungry to, take a, to get chocolates? So, you know, so that's, what, that's what should answer your question. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me ask you
0: another, another thing because you, you referred to your wife and how integral a part she is with, of the restaurant. What's it like working with her every day? Because I, I, I've certainly been in relationships with people where it's nice to be able to go to work and get a break from each
2: other. Mm-hmm. I mean she's the pillar of the of the kitchen. She's the pillar of the of, of the business. Uh all 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 of the five foot frame that she is, she's very tiny and very petite, but she's a very, very strong, strong, mentally strong, much stronger than I am. Uh if I'm depressed, she's my antidepressant. If I am uh over excited, she calms me down if I'm you know, um but if she's in a bad mood, it's like walking on eggshells with her too, because <laughs> uh, it works both ways. But you know, I am more of the moody in uh, in in the in this uh, uh, relationship, and she is the more she is the calming, soothing influence on 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 me. Um, but yeah, we work very well together. We we think dif- totally differently. You know, I think one way that she. Whenever I tell her something, then she'll bring a totally different aspect of this, the, of anything that we discuss, and that's what is, what has majorly contributed to our success because she does not think like I do. We don't think alike. She brings in points that I would not even think of, and and I bring points that she doesn't. You know, that's not her area. So it's it's a great it's a great. Uh, uh, a uh, great uh, combination for the both of us. Every
0: now and then I'll, I'll visit the restaurant and you, you mutter something about retiring. Uh,
2: please tell me you're not serious. I was this close to uh, signing a deal. But no, I have not. Uh, because anytime I want to retire, I think, you know, I... Uh, I know that I will uh, become bored. I'll be bored to tears. And the other thing is, my my boss, which who's my wife, also she says that I will drive her nuts sitting at home doing nothing. I have worked. We both have workaholics. You won't believe this, but both of us go to bed at about two, three between two and three every morning, every day, every day. Every day, every single day of our lives, we get, go to bed about 2 or 3 and we are up by 8 or 9. You know, so work is in our blood. You know, work is in like opium for us. So we cannot, I mean, yes, I, I keep on saying that whenever I'm, whenever I'm short of employees. Whenever I talk of retirement, you always, always understand one thing. The chef is, is short on people. That's the only thing. That's my my only uh, respite. I say, okay, now I'm going to retire. I can't. I can't take this because I I don't have enough people to work for, for me. But uh, work even if, suppose if I do retire, I will be the I will be in some other capacity serving Houston's food scene, which would be another concept of 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 that has been in on my mind like a Himalaya West, of which the the president and president will be eric because of, <laughs> of because of the because of the the seed that you planted with the chicken fried chicken that was wholly and solely your 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 brainchild and i cannot thank you enough if if well if, I, I do think there's a, a Himalaya like black eyed pea
0: you know southern comfort specialties with masala seasoning that could be like a spinoff restaurant I, I do think you could do something like that if you were
2: um, I have, feeling ambitious. I have the fried chicken. I have the recipe down for a bun kebab, which is a hamburger. The hamburger is called a bun kebab in Pakistani and Indian food. So I have the perfect recipe for a bun kebab. I'm working on the recipe for a do- for a pizza. And then that the trilogy will be completed. Three of the top selling things a burger a pizza and a fried chicken yeah plus the and, chicken fried steak
0: and the yeah. and the chicken and dumplings i mean you're like a, you're, so, you're halfway to a southern restaurant
2: yeah yeah it's it's a, you know the the concept would be himalaya west and that's that's something that i would do if i were to give up and give up the himalaya to someone else if i do then i would do himalaya west
0: i i don't know i i think if i if i advocate for you giving up Himalaya, there might be riots from people who would miss the, all the signature dishes. But, but I have to say, I'm, I'm highly intrigued by this prospect. Thank you. Thank you. So when we were talking before this interview, you said you wanted to be asked questions you had never been asked before. What are you waiting for me to ask you about? What is, what is the one thing I haven't, I haven't asked you about that you're just, you're just begging for
2: me? No, I'm not begging. I'm not begging. I'm saying, you know. No, no you're a people... very opinionated
0: person, and I, and I, <laughs> I know that you have deep feelings about a lot of topics. So if you, uh, what I, you know, what I really want to ask you about go ahead. is what you think of that really fancy Indian restaurant that's coming to the Galleria later this year. Have you, have you seen this, this Musafer, this ten thousand square foot fine dining restaurant?
2: Good. Good luck to him. Have you, have you met them? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Do you think I'll continue to do what I do, and they will they will do what they have to do, and and let the what do, what do they say that the chips fall where they may? Or you know, I'm not here to compete with anybody. Seriously, I am I'm at a stage in my life where I'm just uh, enjoying what I do. I am. It's not that the Himalaya is fourteen and a half years old, so. I don't have to prove anything. I have to don't have to prove anything new to them. You know, those who like me will continue to get what I'm doing, and I'm in the process of doing this this uh, hunter's beef uh, using hunter's beef. I'm going to do a Reuben sandwich with with masala slaw in it instead of the sauerkraut. I am also working on a few other things. Um, we have already done the. Uh, uh the the tamales made with karai chicken, boneless karai chicken chopped inside a tamale. And um, so the the, the mine the 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 you know my thoughts my everything that I aspire for I keep on doing. I I don't think we should we should give up when we are when we reach a certain age and we I I am not the kind of person who wants to uh Uh, rest and on his past laurels you know Uh, we need to because till till you die you you keep on doing things that you can and and do it better than you have done before because life teaches you all these things that that you want to share I want to share whatever I have whatever I can I uh, whatever I create is for the people of Houston because the people of Houston have given me everything my my recognition my financial security and uh, a place to to come to work. Yeah. It's all all because of the people. And and if somebody somebody new is opening a restaurant, i I wish them well, because you know the more people that get introduced to Indian food, then we have a better chance of showcasing who has who has the better food. You know, there's more options to for people to try. I am still not going to be fancy. We are going to be uh, down to earth and we're going to have, um, I'm, I might get the restaurant painted. I might have some new furniture someday. When this totally falls apart, like when my Camry totally falls apart, I right. might go and buy a Lexus, but, but that's about it.
0: Wine, wine glasses for the people who are BYOB might yes. be... Yeah. You know,
2: if you, were, if you were
0: looking to upgrade any aspect of the dining experience, I'll just throw that out there okay. As, okay. as one possibility. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Well, Kaiser, thank you. Uh, I like to wrap these interviews up with something I call the lightning round. Uh, five silly questions, five short answers. Okay. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. What's the first restaurant you ever worked at? Uh, Long John Silver's.
2: What's the first musical concert you ever saw? Uh, it was Mr. Uh, Mehdi Hassan, the late Mehdi Hassan of, of Pakistan, who came to Houston. What is your
0: fast food guilty pleasure that comes from a drive-thru? Chick-fil-A. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present?
2: Well, this is, this is one thing. I can't give you a one answer because I'm a cr- cricket fanatic, so, so, so cricket and, and Javed Miadad. All right. And then finally, where's your favorite place to get a taco? Papa's across the, uh, across the, uh, across the street from my restaurant.
0: Works for me. Mm.
2: Uh, Papa's Barbecue never fails me.
0: Kaiser, thank you so much for doing this. I'm thank. so happy to have had you.
2: Thank you, Eric. We've been talking about it for a long time. And finally, we got to. Finally. Uh, what, is, it's, what is the website for the restaurant? Uh, it's HimalayaRestaurantHouston.com.
0: So you can find uh, you can find Kaiser there. Uh, you can friend him on Facebook. He's very active. You can follow me on Twitter at Esandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.